There's this moment when you look and there's actors on this one side and this whole camera team on the other and they're just faced each other and you're like in the middle trying to like bring those two parties together to go tell a story that I've drawn out in little stick figures. And there's just this amazing like magic. Welcome to Refilmery. We are a film and photography production company in New York, and each week we turn the microphone on our fellow creatives and the brand leaders that we produce films for to find out why they make their films and also how they use storytelling to reach their audiences. My name is David Joshua Ford, and I'm the executive director of Refilmery. I now pronounce you husband and wife. Travis, by the way. Oh, Alan. Nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Travis, played by Matt McGorry, is a struggling young musician who crosses paths with Ellen, played by Amy Hargraves, an older married yoga instructor in the process of adopting a child. Your blue eyes show as we walk through. Look like Audrey Hepburn of those. Shut up. We can do. You're fun. You got a great spirit. Travis and Ellen begin an affair that slowly deepens into something more intimate and profound. <laughs> You're texting on that thing. Nobody. As their encounters continue, Travis must face the consequences of infidelity while Ellen is confronted with her crumbling marriage. I never said that. This is director Mark Meyer's third narrative feature. He joins me today on this episode of the Refilmery series to discuss how you create a safe and trusting environment when directing actors for closed-set sex scenes. We also discuss how to improve your drama writing skills so that you're not just telling your own story or getting in the way of your own work. This is director Mark Myers, live from the Refilmery series in Soho, New York. Mark, thank you for showing your film at Refilmery. I find as a, as a writer, director, those sort of stories are really personal. Where did this film start from? Um, well, the opening, scene, <clears throat> the opening scene was maybe the first one I play that I ever had produced in New York. Mm -hmm. And then I later thought, oh, that might be an interesting start to a movie. Yeah. So I, I just took it. And based based off that one act, I sort of try to figure out where that main character may go from there. So if he watches his ex-girlfriend get married, maybe then he goes and tries to find love himself somewhere else. And then I figured, what's more fun than an extramarital affair on screen? <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll write I'll write I'll write that. It also kind of allowed me to kind of explore. Not only various themes, but also kind of just like things I wanted to film. Yeah. Like just, you know, an intimate relationship and make it a little uh, dangerous okay. and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it started from a, a play. Where, yeah. where did that play originate from? And what, what were the themes that you were trying to explore in your own, I guess, creative outlet? Well, the play started from... I was, couple years out of college so I think I was starting to feel that a bunch of my friends were getting married okay and so a girl I had 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 a like a on again off again relationship with was about to enter her first marriage and uh and that kind of was the inspiration for the for the play and then you know that that was basically the the main seed mm -hmm. 
way back then. Um, how many? So how long ago was that? That might have been uh, like ninety-eight. Oh, really? Nineteen ninety-eight. Okay. Yeah, and then I just kept it on a shelf, and then years later, I, yeah, you know, I pulled it out and was like, oh, let me write a screenplay, sort of starting from there. Yeah, so, yeah. So how does that? I guess drawing from life experiences, and then that idea developing over many years. How does that change? the nature of what you're writing about and that does does that change the actual story well when, when i when i wrote it and then when i kept rewriting the screenplay and as i got older i realized i was writing about marriage more and more mm-hmm. and so i took for granted at first how much i was allowing myself to write something that was actually about a married couple yeah so i started to sort of view the Travis character is like the inciting incident into this marriage. And I figured that would be an interesting way to get into this affair, but then really sort of then open it up and capture all three of their experiences. Yeah. And so it just, by rewriting it over time and putting it away and then picking it back up, it kept just sort of getting more and more, I guess, refined. And and then I was just sort of, after I'd finished this other film Harvest, I was in the edit room, and when that was done, I sort of felt like really hungry to want to rewrite this story yet again to kind of do a couple things on screen that I hadn't done before. Yeah. You know, just... Such as what? Go in a hotel room with two actors and <laughs> film some, you know, closed set, sure. sexy things that I felt that, you know, I just didn't personally see too often okay in like an american indie like i didn't like the that sometimes the sex seems like corrupt the, and yeah like or the like the sheets are always perfectly covered uh-huh. as they like lay in bed i like wanted to show sex kind of sloppy messy and yeah and also just sort of um that people could just sort of be themselves hidden away squirreled away yeah. in a hotel room what's it like working with the actors in that scenario and what sort of i guess trust do you have to build it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, we had a lot of fun. Um, how do, how do you, I, how do you just, create that that sense of ease between, like, you know, trying to replicate a, a very intimate moment between two people, which is actually two people in front of a you know, camera team? And well, they've are like we, you know, through the process of auditions in New York, we you already knew who wanted to do the role because all these actors are coming in and auditioning. And the first thing that we had committed to was Amy Hargraves as Ellen. Mm -hmm. And by that time, we could do some callbacks with a range of actors who we were considering for the role of Travis. And so she was able on the sort of chemistry auditions to do to do auditions one day with like four or five different actors that would have been four or five different approaches to that relationship. And it was clear that we all gravitated towards Matt and that Amy felt very comfortable with Matt. He was very respectful of her. He was very professional and it felt like the right like relationship that wasn't too much like a Bushwick filmmaker, I mean musician kind of, <laughs> you know, you know, scruffy or too hunky. He felt like the right kind of like everyman combination yep. that that made sense for us. And then, you know, they already know then what the story is. And and then when we got to set, you know, I just we just sort of talked openly about all of those sort of scenes and the relationship and they were willing to, you know, 
stay committed to the script. And then I also had this binder of um, sexy photography that I like somewhat pornographic photography that I pulled off the internet, like off Tumblr and places like that. And I could point to it and be like, I think we're going to shoot the scene kind of like this. Okay. And just to having a visual guide on top of the script allowed them to be feel even more comfortable, like in the room, wherever the camera was, because they already knew what I was kind of going for. So that they can, in their mind, envision the, the final shot? Or is it more yeah, just, just like that, getting everyone on the same page of right, what this also, is going to look like? Sorry to interrupt. I mean, it was also no. just sort of like, so they knew that the camera wasn't going to like bump them in the butt. You know, like they knew exactly <laughs> like what the shot was going to be and they felt comfortable. And then the more openly we talked about the relationship, the more comfortable they felt. And then everyone on set just, we were all becoming friends. So by the time we were shooting the stuff like in the hot tub, uh, not the hot, in the, in the tub, the mm-hmm. bathtub, or in the other hotel room scenes, we'd already been filming for about a week. Okay. And so by that time, we were all you know, pretty comfortable with each other. Was that something you consciously staged in terms of allowing yourself time to get to know them and to shoot other scenes that are more functional as you move towards the more intimate ones? Like, do you stack the intimate ones at the back of the shoot? It was in the middle. I think that we okay. shot one week, and then the second week we went up to Woodstock, I think at the top of the week. And so maybe the first sex scene that we had done was the one in the B&B up in Woodstock. Yeah. And, and then when we came back to New York, we had two days in hotel rooms, one in like Queens and one in Staten Island. And by that time, like they weren't even like hanging, they were just like in their underwear hanging out on set. Like right. it just didn't phase them. <laughs> it was the first, it was the first situation that I, f- which was the one up in the Woodstock B&B yeah. that was maybe the most nervous. Okay. And then, so what did I do? I put the camera in like the far corner and film the entire scene, like with the camera on from stop, from top to bottom, and then they just well, if I had filmed the entire, you know, mm-hmm. sex scene in one shot, they then like they shed all their nervousness. Yeah, yeah. What about you as a director? Like, do you feel nervous? No, I, I had a great time. My wife was <laughs> pregnant at the time, and she was producing the movie, and I thought, what could be better? I have my wife in her second trimester sitting over here sitting on a you know a case of panavision lenses and then i have these two beautiful actors and in bed um yeah my other side and we're about to do the scene and we all just had a good time together so what is it about (laughs) capturing those intimate moments that you really enjoy and and what are you trying to create on screen well i just for the sake of the story i just kind of wanted to sort of not polish or skip over those moments that where people were maybe being very comfortable with each other yeah. and intimate and sharing and indescribable, indescribable. <laughs> or just like yeah just trying to like go there you know and just not avoid and just just yeah. go go to it and then what was the other well i mean the, the even in the script and some of the characters towards the end bring up themes of um like like with the the husband that this is a love that is that is real so like is it is there a sense of trying to create or as a filmmaker create real life moments as opposed to a glossy kind of plot yeah i mean i guess i'm personally i mean i i just did uh, a film in ohio and yeah. uh one of the people in the audience tommy nelson is was in that film and <laughs> so he could maybe you know from in a different way speak to it as well but it's just like 
my interest is just in trying to capture something that feels real. I feel like, for me, at least the movies that I really respond to that I'll revisit are the ones where I feel like it, if it's not a huge adventure film where I'm, mm -hmm. I'm totally going to to a place to escape, yep. if it's something based in reality, I like to go as much to reality as possible. And like dive into their motivations and their inner Yeah, inner and workings. just find things that feel a little dangerous. Yeah. Because otherwise, what's the point? You've spent so much energy trying to raise money, get a crew together, get actors together, and then you go there, you might as well not like avoid the thing you're trying to tell. <laughs> you know, At that point, that you've committed so much energy and faith to something that yeah. I also want to go personally, go see something that to me feels um, real, yeah. you know? So what did you feel like you grew in in this film? Like, what are you, having been through that journey, what do you feel like you've come out on the other side of um, having grown from that? I maybe was trying to finish off some things I've been working on for a while, and now I feel like I'm trying to work on some other kinds of styles of filmmaking. What were and those earlier things that you were trying to express? Well, there's a, like, there's... There's a bunch of like French movies that I really loved or love. And there's like a filmmaker like Olivier Sayas, and I just like the way he moved the camera around to capture, you know, people. Mm -hmm. And I think for the last two, that film and the one prior, I was, that was somewhat of a guide to me in the way the camera moved around sort of intimately or drifted from one character to another character through a space and wasn't about a master shot okay. and then coverage. It was about, you know, being like, we had a nickname for it on set, which is like being their sphere or their circle, like just be with them. Yeah. And, um, and you, you do that. Like you, you hold two shots. You don't necessarily cut over the shoulder all the time. You just let the scene sort of play out. Right. Cause I think for this film, like, um, it's a lot about how people are relating to someone else. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's more interesting to then see the two of them in frame do it together than me construct that later through two singles based on the other actors. So that's yeah. like a, that's, that's that. I mean, okay. I just, you know, I did this movie that we just finished filming in Ohio called My Friend Dahmer. And it's, it's just about other other things but i think it's probably at the same time i'm still kind of interested in you know like seeing the reality of something like we shot actually at jeffrey dahmer's childhood home we recreated wow. the hut where he once had a hut where he kept his animal jars and jars with skeletons in it and like i just wanna i yeah. wanna like see something for real okay you know, so so instead of documentary you see fiction as a way of being able to tap into reality or create your own yeah yeah and it's like it's fun to play i mean it's, and I, I love working with actors so yeah that to me is you know like the biggest joy you yeah. grew up in new york how did you get into filmmaking um well i was always messing around with the camera i can look back and make like my brother and i would like film us breaking into our childhood home and stuff like that as like little <laughs> home videos and things like that but um i started out do, writing a lot of theater and then when i met my uh wife to be 
uh, my wife, uh, when I met her, she read a lot of my plays and um, the, the, the thing that's amazing about plays are a whole other thing, but the thing that's frustrating about theater is that there's more people that miss it and never get to experience it than people that experience it, at least when you're doing something like off-Broadway or off-off-Broadway. So there's something about film that's, you're like capturing it forever. Mm-hmm. There's this like archival aspect Preservation. To it. Yeah. But then at the same time, I've always been messing around with a camera, so it just made a lot of sense to finally figure it out. I just came to it more as a writer than yeah. as like someone who was like, cared about you know like style yeah or you know or genre that wasn't okay. my way in so so, so you've you got know. your your tools as a writer as a pen and as a director you've got the camera what is it about filmmaking that you really are drawn to as a medium well it's this thing there's like moments like i just when we just were filming recently i was like there's this moment when you look and there's actors on this one side and there's this camera mm-hmm. equipment and this whole camera team on the other and they're just faced each other and you're like in the middle trying to like bring those two parties together to go tell a story that I've drawn out in little stick figures. And there's just this amazing like magic yeah. that happens when you bring these two forces together. And so it's just fun. And also, like, the framing as well. I mean, if you you walk onto a set and it's just this massive hodgepodge of different things and light stands and whatever, but through the lens. Yeah. And what you emit from the frame also as a way of... Yeah, it's hard to describe. It's hard to do anything else, honestly, at this point, because I just feel like it's just taking so many other parts of life and funneling it into Mm -hmm. that experience that it's, you know, it just feels very whole so if you weren't a filmmaker what would you be in another life lost (laughs) (laughs) why is that what does filmmaking do for you that that no other life or career could could give well uh, i mean you hope i hope it continues i hope i every movie seems to be like a little miracle that you like have the opportunity that i've written something and somehow it's gathered people and gathered money and gathered resources to go do this thing and it's and i'm i'm right now recovering from the idea that it it just happened once again Mm -hmm. but i don't know what else i would would do because everything else that came up as an opportunity i said no to because it didn't feel like um i don't know i mean i hope i continue to stay interested in it because it's pretty it's pretty fun what are your hobbies outside of filmmaking uh, right now with my daughter. Yeah? Yeah, just like playing with my daughter and stuff like How that. How old is she? She's two. Okay. She turned two like this summer. <laughs> Must be a novelty. Yeah. Like everything's new. Yeah, I realize I read a lot of biographies more than fiction. Yeah. I think for me, I'm, I have enough fiction in my own life that <laughs> that I'm really, you know, just... Um, so maybe like reading a biography here and there has been okay. sort of like... A little bit of an interest. Do you feel like having a daughter stirs more writings that maybe in years to come will spark a film and different family themes that come out of that? Uh, I'm not sure yet, really. Like too early to say. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just that it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just finished shooting in was it Ohio? In or? Ohio, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. It's your latest feature. 
So um, we just wrapped filming on a movie called My Friend Dahmer, which is based on the award-winning graphic novel My Friend Dahmer, about written by a guy who actually grew up with Jeffrey Dahmer and retold their experiences as friends in high school. <laughs> and so it, everyone knows him as this monster, yeah. but this is the story before that story. This is the story of like what he was like in high school when he had some friends. Yeah. What was he like? Was it a... He was an oddball, disruptive personality who uh, had a fracturing family life yeah. and a bunch of bander buddies who uh, took him in and thought he was amusing. And then over time, you know, the depravity that's going on within Jeff just sort of overwhelms him. And so he sort of disengages from his friends and becomes more of an al alcoholic Okay. And loses connection to like the real world, but there's also just all these other forces that miss the signs. His yeah. friends, his teachers, his family—they all kind of miss the signs. And so you get to like look and hopefully become empathetic to like this troubled kid's, you know, okay. teenage years, which is very different than <laughs> how he fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and what are the what are the um, considerations or responsibilities that you've got to take into account when you are doing a story of a, a true life, um, like um, a true life story as opposed to, sorry, one based on a um, true life event rather than something that's entirely fictional. I don't think it felt that different to me, to be completely honest. You're okay. still trying to like base it in some truth in the moment when you're working with the actors. You're just trying to, you know, connect are there, are there outside forces that are trying to either shape the story or have a particular viewpoint in terms of the way people perceive him from um, what people know from news or other public events? Well, I had enough time thinking about the script and writing that script that by the time I got to set, it was just my own story at that point. And I knew that it was that the book on some level remained an inspiration for the film I'm going to tell. Yeah. So, um, it was, I mean, that experience is pretty incredible because some of the actual real life people that are mentioned in the book, including the author and some of his childhood friends, started to come by and gravitate to set and hang around. And it was, it ended up being like proof that what we were doing was working because they, they looked at what we were doing and said that is exactly what it was like when we were kids. And so we were very much in sync with not only the book, but also like whatever their real experiences were as best, as much as, you know, a film will allow. Sure. And uh, so that was just, uh, I'm still processing that. That's fresh. Yeah. 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 Just came off that. And yeah. Just, which is a high class problem, to be honest. You, know, <laughs> you don't always get that kind of experience. I've spent many months walking around going, what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> so, you know, that's just, just right, right at this very moment, it feels, you know, like, Nice to share one movie and nice to be able to step into the edit room, you know, on the next one. Continue to shape the next one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. But, I mean, I'll just add, because one of the reasons I'm here is just that How I Found Love is now, you know, on VOD, Video On Demand, iTunes, Amazon, and all those other sort of home video outlets. And will be out on Netflix in about a month. Cool. Yeah. And uh, we'll have some audience questions now. Has anyone got a, a question for Mark? Yep, down front here. Yes. 
Um, so I liked about the movie that it feels very self-secure. And um, as a viewer, it's just very interesting to see which directions you're taking. And I think it, a lot of decisions you made are just like brilliant. And that's why it feels so real. And um, after a while, I thought, I hope you're never going to get like a big budget to make a really big movie because with all those restrictions, the movie turns out so well. So I was wondering if you dream of a 10, 20, 50 million dollar movie or if you actually like doing it like this. Um, no, I totally dream of doing it. 50, 100 million dollar movie. <laughs> Who wouldn't say no to more yeah. money? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, that doesn't mean that it doesn't become intimate or connected to, you know, something maybe personal or it's just that you may have more resources to have a larger canvas. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gradually feeling like hopefully I can continue to sort of uh, get not maybe on all, not all stories, but hopefully get, you know, some big budget opportunities to, you know, have a bigger adventure for myself and then find a movie within that adventure. So I've written, you know, something that I'm hoping to do, which is very big. And then, uh, yeah, I don't really want to only limit to myself to like, oh, I must do small films because they're intimate and personal. I think that you can do both at the same time. And is that something you, in your strategy, like do you write some things with a small budget that you feel like you might be able to get up now with certain people and then other scripts that are targeted to bigger productions? Well, it's more like there's a project or two where I, I know that they ha they're bigger ideas and they mm. would need a lot more resources. And so it's story first. Yeah, story first, but then at the same time you, you do write, or at least for me, I started out by trying to write things where I felt that I could gather the resources to go make them so I didn't depend on too many other people to make that film happen. So, um, you know, this was... How He Fell in Love was reimagined at a little bit smaller scale because my wife was pregnant. We're like, we have to go make this movie before the baby's born. And it made us reshape to the point where we realized in retrospect, this is the kind of style the film was always meant to be. And we wasted some time trying to chase like a bigger approach to it, yeah. which I don't necessarily think would have made the movie better. So we found a lot of resourceful ways to, you know, like I may, I, I partnered with Panavision who then uh, provided us like a full Alexa and Panavision lens kit for next to nothing, which enabled me to go shoot this at, you know, a, in a way that far exceeds what the budget would ever have allowed. And then, you know, finding ways like the brownstone that we filmed in for four days, which was Uh, Henry and Ellen's home was, you know, related to the the fam a family member of the girl that I had once written that one act play about. Oh, okay. And she still remains a friend. And so she reminded me that her sister's husband had a brownstone that he was trying to sell that was available on the Upper West Side. And I called them up and um, and they were like, yeah, we're, they were living outside of New York City at the time, and they were. It was on the market, but he gave me four days to film there before cool. they moved out. So, you know, just finding resourceful ways. I wrote a lot of that script with um, real locations in mind. So the location scout was not so complicated. It was like, we'll go to the fencing place because that's the address because <laughs> I, you know, found it already. Or, yeah. or I know the B&B. 
Okay. In Woodstock. So we'll go there. You know, it just was, I was Unless, writing with the actualization of it in mind when I was writing it from the beginning. Oh, that's really handy. Yeah. Yeah. One more question. Um, I actually was wondering, I mean, when writing something, because you mentioned that you just sort of like expanded on the play you wrote, do you find it incredibly difficult to, to write things? Because like, when I, whenever I write, like it's always pretty much exactly what's been happening to me. You know what I mean? Like, how difficult is it to, I guess for lack of a better term, like, make things up? Do you know what I mean? Um, easier and easier. Just just by doing it over, rewriting and rewriting, and then considering what I wrote less and less sacred allows me to not hold on to what it once was because I thought the inspiration was so important that I have to let everyone know what that inspiration was. And then I start to go, wait a second, people need something like drama is like reality, reality dialed to 11. You know, if you recorded two people having a conversation, it most likely won't be that interesting. But if you, you know, find enough, even if, even if it's subtle, like even if it's like Harold Pinter, where like the dialogue is, has enough room there for the actors to behave on top of it if the conflict is based on something primal underneath it which may very well not be what happened in the real life experience but it's something else that's more you know fucked up then it just gives me a lot more freedom to not no longer feel so loyal to the original thing and i just can point to it and go i know where the idea came from but no one has any idea anymore like we just did this movie in you know Ohio, and Tommy who's asking the question plays one of the leads in the film, yeah. and like not many people knew know where like some of the things that aren't in the book that are in the movie came from, but I I do because I was sort of perverting something that I either knew or witnessed myself or experienced myself and found a way to pervert it into something you know, dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And yeah. do you find that as as the years go on and you gain more life experience that your writing becomes more thematic or a, a mixture of things rather than surface level of just, I guess, regurgitating some experience you had? Yeah, you kind of get away from yourself. I mean, I, it, I don't know why I'm remembering this right now, but I used to be associated with a program at the Cherry Lane Theatre. And Edward Albee, the great player, I came through once to talk to this small group. And I remember him saying something that really hit me hard at the time. He said, if you're writing a play and there's a character in there you can point to and saying, that's me. He goes, if you take that character out, he goes, I promise you the play will be better. <laughs> and he's kind of like, you know, it took me a while to get away from myself yeah. as well and realize that he's completely right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really he interesting just pull point. that out. All of a sudden, it's a lot. It, it most likely, it's a lot more interesting because yeah. you're not trying to tell your own story anymore. Because the whole point of drama, unlike a book, is to be like, "Go, actors, go take this away from me and go do something else with it." And 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 gotta like, you can't put an anchor in there back to yourself, going, "Yeah, but it's still based on me." Like that's 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 getting in the way of what the whole form is meant to be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I think yeah. we'll, we'll wrap up there. That was um, really great insight, Mark. Thanks. Thank you for bringing your film, How We Fell in Love, and it is now available on 
Netflix. iTunes, VOD, Amazon, Vimeo, Amazon. Cable VOD. Thank you very much. You're most welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's our show for the week. At Refilmery, we believe that everyone has the ability to tell their own story. That's why we've created this monthly series of film screenings, networking events, parties and production workshops in New York to help connect you with the people and the ideas that you need to bring your own story to life. So visit refilmery.com series to join our mailing list and we will keep you up to date on our events. Also, if you enjoyed today's show, you can help spread the word by sharing it with a friend. Get them to subscribe by searching Refilmery in iTunes or Google. Today's show was curated by T. Ho, graphics and production management by Francesca Rimi, production assistance by Lauren Sagnella and Yinan Chen, and theme music was by Julian Bell. My name's David, and I'll be back next week with more insights into the life of a filmmaker. Mm-hmm.